0: Hi, and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage podcast. I'm JD from uncoveringintimacy.com, and today uh, we're answering reader questions about joint bank accounts, um, using sex toys, talking dirty in the bedroom, and personal grooming. All right, so I thought I'd change up the format for the podcast a bit. I get a lot of questions uh, through the blog, and I honestly don't have time to answer them all in posts, um, and often I don't get their email addresses or any way to contact them again to say, hey, I already answered this question in this blog post three years ago. Here it is. So I thought I'd do a bunch of podcasts that are just purely ripping through some of these questions. Some of them I've answered before, some of them them maybe I haven't, but they don't require a really long blog post to answer. That way maybe people can hear the answer for the first time. And also if they're not readers, then they can get an answer. And I can point you to some more resources on our blog that have already tackled some of these things. So the first question is, is oral sex before marriage bad? And the simple answer is, yes it is, in the same way that any sex before marriage is bad. And I actually just wrote a whole post about uh, how your relationship has to be based on more than just sex. It's on our blog uh, this week. You can find it. It was basically based on a conversation I was having from Keeley over at lovehelpandadventure.com If you don't know her blog, you should go check it out. The basic idea is that when you're dating or you're engaged and there's all these chemicals that kind of get in the way of your rational thinking. One of the big ones is dopamine. And dopamine is a neurotransmitter. Or that we we receive, like our brain releases it when we've done something new, or we've done something exciting, or you know something that makes you feel like you've won. It's known as the reward drug of the brain. So the problem is, if you introduce too much physical uh, intimacy into your relationship too early, um, you start getting too much of this dopamine, and it really messes with your judgment because you're basically on this natural drug high, uh, where your judgment is impaired and you're no longer thinking rationally about things. Things. you know dating should be a time where you're weeding out a potential spouses basically trying to figure out you know is this person right for me or is they wrong are they wrong for me it's a time that you should be asking the questions that are your that should bring up red flags if there are any you know the do you want kids does our religion match you know uh how are, do you want to live in the city or do you want to live in the country or what are your career what does your career look like what are your hopes for the future you know find the things that you guys want to do together like uh, what you, what your plan for the future is and figure out is this okay or is this not okay and also it needs to be some of the difficult stuff too like you should be talking about uh porn use uh because stats say that something like 90 plus 96 percent of men now will be introduced to porn and at least half of them are addicted to porn at some point in their life and women it's growing it's up to 30 percent i think now of women are addicted to porn or have been at some point in the past so uh issues like that are a huge thing. And I'm not saying that, Oh, if he's addicted to porn then, or she is, then that's like, Oh, you can't marry them anymore. But I'm saying you should be aware of them. You should know the conflicts that are going to come up in your marriage. Uh, also things like, you know, uh, Do you want kids? How many kids do you want? uh, Do you want? What is your, how do you see raising kids? Like, what's your, what would your parenting style be like? Um, things like finances. Are you a saver? Are you a spender? You know, are you, are you aiming to be debt free or would you rather like take tons of vacations and buy stuff and, uh, we'll worry about the debt some other day? You need to be on board. You need to figure out what these things are. And the whole point of this thing is to say that if you introduce physical intimacy too fast, um, you stop thinking about those things uh I- instead you're just riding this high of wow I feel amazing when I'm around them and when some red flag comes up that says hey maybe this is not the person for you it's really really hard to detach because now you you get these highs from this dopamine you also have this oxytocin that like chemically bonds you to this person and uh it, that's when we start saying stupid things like oh I couldn't live without you if she left me I'd die well no probably not. <laughs> you know you'll be okay. Uh it's just really hard because that's how our brains feel at the time. And this is especially true if you're young. Uh if you're under 25 I think the ages, you know that's when your brains uh ability to assess long-term risk really finally gets developed. Uh, and so it, it's a huge problem the, for those who are younger, uh, which is I think why we have a, a massive issue in our society now that people are having sex so early in their lives uh, when they literally still can't think straight. So, yes, I think oral sex before marriage is bad. I think it's problematic. I think it it can potentially cause some serious problems down the road, especially if you if you haven't been dealing with these difficult things and you haven't been working towards learning how to uh, manage conflict appropriately. Cause conflict isn't a bad thing. Every couple has conflict. It, it, that's a fact of life. Uh, what matters is learning how to deal with conflict. And when you're doing all this other stuff, it's very hard to learn how to deal with conflict because we're so easily, we so easily just brush it off and because we're on this high and we're not thinking straight, like I said. All right. Next question I have from someone is, so if bondage is okay with a husband and wife, are the use of toys okay too, such as vibrators? And uh, This question probably comes up from a post I wrote uh, in the past about about bondage and whether or not it's okay. And in the end, I said, yes, but with some caveats. And if you want to learn all about that, you can go check out the blog. Uh, the post is called, My Wife Wants Me to Tie Her Up, and it was based on another question that I got. But this time they're asking, are the use of toys okay too, such as vibrators? And the answer again is, yeah, they're fine. But again, with some caveats. So, I see toys as basically uh, a tool. The biggest reason I, I say they're okay is for uh, women in particular. Um, only about 30% of women can actually orgasm from sex. They need some kind of clitoral stimulation, and for many women, uh, just the way their anatomy is, that it just doesn't provide enough stimulation during sex to actually have an orgasm. And there are a lot of Christian bloggers out there who are very uh, against toys. Um, they believe that women should just learn to have an orgasm during sex. And unfortunately, the reality is that that's simply not possible for the majority of women. And so if they ever want to have an orgasm with their spouse during sex, they... they they're basically being told by these people, sorry, it's not for you, or, well, you just haven't learned to do with it Do it yet. And it ignores uh, the fact that, for some people, their biology just doesn't allow for that. And there's absolutely nothing in the Bible that says, oh, you can't use toys. There's no mention of toys at all, because, of course, they didn't have any. And some people make some really large stretches to tr- try to equate certain things in the Bible to sex toys. And, uh, frankly, I think they're just trying to support their mindset. In our marriage, uh, we have some rules that, like, Well, we don't we don't masturbate alone because we believe that sex is something that we should be shared with your spouse. So the toys only get used when we're together. For us, we don't buy any toys that are like they look like a real a real body part. So we wouldn't be buying like replica genitals from anywhere. The other thing is that um the toy should not be the focus of our time. Uh, The toys should be there to uh, provide stimulation, but the focus should still be on the two of us or one of us serving the other. If you're looking for a good first toy to use as a couple, you can check out on the blog at uncoveringintimacy.com. There's a post called What is a Good First Adult Toy? Um, You can search for it and find it. It was not last Christmas, but two Christmases ago in 2015. There's also a coupon code that you can use at marrieddance.com, which is the toy store that we always suggest people go to because it's a Christian-run uh, online toy store for married couples. And So there's no uh, bad images on there. They don't sell porn DVDs and some of the stuff that you see in a lot of the other store stores. Um, anyway, so there's a coupon code if you use either Sex Within Marriage or Uncovering Intimacy. They both work. Uh, they'll get you 10% off your first toy. All right, so the next question I have is, should couples share the same bank accounts? Is it right for a spouse to hide bonuses in financial packages? So I wrote a post uh last October with the title, Should You Have Joint Bank Accounts As a Couple? And this was based on my sister getting married. Uh, and she had asked before she got married, hey, should we have joint bank accounts? Because they're already established... People, uh, they already had their own lives and now they were joining their lives together and they're just wondering, Hey, what should we do with our bank accounts? And I said, yeah, definitely. You should, you should definitely have joined accounts uh, for a number of reasons. Um, for one, uh, in a symbolic way, it's very much, uh, I'm not hiding anything from you. Like we're actually joining our lives together. It's not going to be, uh, two separate lives that happen to live in the same household and have sex together, uh, so it, it kind of signals commitment to each other and to everybody else. Um, another thing is that it fosters uh, marital intimacy. So when both spouses can see the account, see the balances, see what's coming in and coming out, it has a, a bigger opportunity to have conversations about things like spending habits and savings and and uh, how what kind of financial stewardship you are having over your household together. And I think that's important because often we don't really talk that much about uh, material intimacy in marriage. We talk a lot about emotional and physical and sometimes spiritual, but almost never about material intimacy. And that is, you know, what are we doing with the things that we have? And I think that's a part that gets often overlooked. And I keep hearing the stats that say that uh, money problems are one, like the number one or the number two or the number three cause of divorce. Uh, and no one can quite agree on <laughs> which is the most important money or sex or something else, but it's one of the big things is money. And so if you're having, if you have separate accounts and you're hiding stuff from each other, you know, there's a bigger chance that there'll be um uh, mistrust there and, uh, for your spouse to think that you're hiding something. And so if they are actually hiding bonuses and financial packages and incentives and income that's coming in, I think that's a serious problem because uh what you're basically saying to your spouse is, you know, this is my money, not your money. Uh, and there really should not be any my or your in a marriage. You know, the whole point of joining two lives together is to say, you know, we are going to do this together as a team, not as individuals. And so, yeah, I think, I think couples should share bank accounts and it's definitely not right to hide, hide any kind of income or even expenses either. Same thing. That's, that's basically, Saying I'm taking this money because I think I deserve it and I don't even need to tell you about it and it's, it's really quite condescending. The other thing is that uh, if you have joint accounts, it makes a lot of logistical things easier, uh, especially regarding uh, like when you have a spouse that maybe gets into a coma or uh, is hospitalized for a long period of time where they're disabled and they can't access their own money. Um, if you can't access their funds and you can't pay their bills, you know, that can be a serious problem or in worst case scenario is if a spouse dies, it can take a long time um, to sort out. Okay. Where does the estate go? Do you actually have rights to this money? And uh, I've heard of people um, taking months and months to sort this out. And so they don't have access to half of their finances while they're still having to pay for stuff like funeral costs and everything else. And that that's, that's frankly a nightmare to have to deal with all that stress while you're also grieving a lost spouse. Um, that would be horrific. And lastly, it's a lot harder to hide indiscretions if you both have access to your bank account. Uh, for example, uh if my wife sees uh, a charge to a candy store, then my wife knows, hey, I'm buying candy, which she knows I don't want to do because I'm trying to work on being healthier and losing weight. We both are. And so if she saw that, she'd be well within her rights to say hey what are you doing and to hold me accountable to that and frankly i want her to do that and it might be embarrassing for me to say yeah i went to a candy store and i ate a whole bag of candy but knowing that she can see those costs and she could check the bills at any time makes it easier for me to not walk into a candy store so in that way it's it's kind of it adds accountability but also kind of the the threat of accountability in a good way if that makes sense so in short, yeah, I definitely think couples should have joint bank accounts. And next question is, is it okay to talk dirty to your spouse or have them talk dirty to you? Very explicit use of language. I don't swear, but I enjoy this kind of talk with my other half. I've gotten this question so many times that I actually wrote uh, an entire ebook on this. Um, not only talking about why I think it's okay, but also kind of how to start. And I did not write a blog post and I won't share the details of it in this podcast because it includes explicit language, which I wouldn't do in a public forum like on a blog post or on a podcast. But if, if you want to see that resource and you want examples that are given, uh, in an informative way without trying to be overly erotic, um, then you can check that out on the blog. So if you go over to uncoveringintimacy.com, uh, just search for introduction to talking dirty, uh, or you can probably find it way at the bottom uh, in the footer. We have a bunch of our resources there as well. Uh, you can also buy it on Amazon for your Kindle uh, if you prefer to have it there. But the short answer is that, you know, there are a lot of words that are, they're not acceptable to be used in public, but there's no reason that we can't use it in private so long as it's not uh, denigrating or putting down our spouse. Uh, I I don't believe we should use language that humiliates them or that makes them feel bad in any way, but there are words that I think that we can reclaim that, um, get us excited because it is kind of outside the box and it is kind of, uh, taboo and they, they can definitely, uh, kind of boost our arousal, uh, in a positive sense. If that kind of language is just for you and your spouse, then, uh, again, with those caveats I said earlier, then I think you're fine. All right, so one last question. This reader sent in, how much do other Christian women shave or trim their pubic hair? And uh, I actually ran a survey for this oh quite a while ago, back in May of 2016. So how, how many do the women? 16% of them say they do daily. 23% said at least once a week. said at least once every two weeks, 20% at least once a month, 7% every other month, 9% every other quarter, or every quarter, and 4% at least every year. So that's about 6% that don't ever. So how much do other Christian women shave or trim their pubic hair? 94%, at least do it once a year. So I hope that answers the question. And that's it for today's podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to hear more of them, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to contact me directly, my email address is jay at uncoveringintimacy.com. If you're looking for more help with your married sex life, you can visit our website. It's uncoveringintimacy.com. And we have uh, hundreds of articles and other resources to help you out there. Or if you're looking to support us directly, uh, you can check us out on Patreon or you can go to uncoveringintimacycom slash champion and it'll forward to our Patreon page. And from there you can get access to our secret Facebook group. That's full of uh, sex positive Christians that are all there to help support each other. And we have uh, some of those conversations that may not be, that may not be acceptable to, uh, (laughs) some of our friends and family. Uh, so we don't want to post them on Facebook, uh, in the general public and ask, uh, but we, we, we talk about uh, all aspects of marriage and life, uh, not just sex. And lastly, uh, if you don't want to miss anything that we put out, be it a podcast or an article or a survey or survey results or whatever, uh, go to the website. Again, it's uncoveringhpc.com. Subscribe to our newsletter, which is our primary method of letting everybody know what's going on. That's all for now. Hopefully we'll have another podcast soon, and I'll get through a bunch more questions.